This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Television, the podcast where we talk about just all the television. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, we are talking about a subset, including the latest updates on HBO's uh, season of the final season of Girls and the second sophomore season of Netflix's Love, starring Gillian Jacobs and Paul Rust uh, and a real star of the show, Claudia O'Doherty. Is that your friend's name? Mm-hmm. Uh, joining me is my frequent co-host, Cecily. That's me. Of the American Horror Podcast and Banshee Podcast and True Blood. Penny and De- Dreadful and True Blood and all the things that we're not watching anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but we are watching the hell out of girls. And I thought I think um this season of girls has been pretty good. It's been maddening at times, but by design. Uh not because it's just poorly written or whatever. Right. Uh there's a lot of things that I am uh confused about. There's a lot of things I'm not sure about how, uh, if I agree with how the show is, is pushing certain storylines, but it is super interesting. And, um, seeing the maturation of the titular girls is kind of, uh, interesting as well. Uh, where do you want st- to, uh, so this stretch of episodes, we talked about episode one and two, mm-hmm. uh, in, in previous, uh, bald move episode last month. The late, the, the four that we've uh, come out in the, in the, and since we've talked, uh, if I can string together a sentence, uh, is American Bitch, also the one where Matthew Reese comes and plays a An older author. male predator type of figure, author. Right. Uh, then we have Painful Evacuation, which is the Ray episode. Uh, also the episode where Patrick Wilson comes back to tell Hannah she's pregnant. Uh, five gummies, the episode where her mom gets high on THC lace gummy bears, mm-hmm. and Elijah just lets her have it about keeping the baby. Uh, and episode six, full disclosure, which happens to be the title of Adam's new film that he's made about his relationship with Hannah, uh, and also chronicles Hannah's ongoing disclosure of her pregnancy and the effect it has on on her various friends all right i guess you covered everything there we go (laughs) moving on to love um so let's talk about i guess american bitch because that was kind of like the apex of my what the hell are they doing uh on this show i i still don't think i understand it and then i think i understand what they want to have happened it's almost like uh, there is a lot of complex issues and none of these things are black and white and a lot of the stuff is he said she said and like but it's so weird because do we really need an apology for older men who take advantage of younger women and put them in situations where the societal pressure is to go along with what's happening instead of actually, you know, like, uh, instead of having someone that genuinely likes to touch your, your dick, Matthew Reese, why do you use your superior set of empathy and intellectual skills to manipulate them into a position where you can flop your dick out and have them grab it? Like, what, what is, what are we stumping for here? I don't, I don't get it. Right. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's complex because Part of me in the beginning of the episode thought that, you know, is he really taking advantage of women? Right. Or are there women who, I mean, maybe there is a power imbalance, but uh, surely everyone who's in power gets to have sex with willing partners, right? I mean, that's the thing, um, because some of these same uh, issues are explored in, like, Anomalisa. Right. Which I similarly felt very cold and and detached and unsure of what I should think about. Uh, Like, yeah, if you're uh, you're a celebrity – you know, you can be a 45-year-old, like a, 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 you know, George Clooney type and put yourself out in the world and you will have sex with tons of women and meaningless, unattached sex. Are right. you a monster for doing that? Or what's to be said about the kind of person that just wants to have that kind of sexual experience? Right. You know, if you see a celebrity that you've always fantasized about because you saw them in this one movie, mm-hmm. is that is that them taking advantage of you when you do something willingly? Right. 
but you know they, they turned it around at the end where he flopped his dick out on her but but then she grabbed it because at the, 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 that's the thing that I think was so interesting is they built this like they showed this guy build this rapport and build her up and say how clever you are and then I'll use this like Socratic method to question her own biases against because she came in there dead set you're a creep and you manipulate women. I've heard from, I mean, that's the key. Like I've heard from multiple women that you've manipulated and made them feel like at the very least cheap, maybe sexually assaulted. And you know, if you're really a good guy, uh, how can there be that many women with these negative experiences about you? And then it's so weird because I, I guess I would have felt comfortable if he had just whipped out his dick. And she had been like, oh, my God, I cannot believe you fucking roped me in and then right. stomped out. But they had her grab it, like, almost – I mean, it was such a weird performance. Like, right. like, like, did she grab it because she was expected to grab it? Did she grab it because she was actually slightly attracted to him in that situation? And then she and then, s- then, stuck then, around when the daughter got home? Like, that, like I, the daughter was used to seeing all kinds of different women in the apartment? And that was odd, too. And it, the way the way they shot it was, I thought, Matthew Reese's character being smugly satisfied that he had roped Hannah into the situation and now has this thing where she has to be, like, captive or she can make a big scene and, and be the terrible person. Right. But when during the behind-the-scene episode when Lena Dunham is talking about this, she's like, you know, Hannah's seeing this other side to him that he loves his daughter and, like, all this. And I'm like, are, do, are you even – do you even know what you're writing? In no. These, it doesn't feel like she does. Yeah. And but then – oh, go ahead. I'm Go ahead. I'm, I just – She's willing to have the conversation, which is, I guess, why I'm still watching. Right, right. And she then may I, not be right. I may not be right. And and I think that there's this the subtle point as Han uh, kind of staggers out into the world with this situation just happening. You see, like a hundred young women, yeah, from various social economics, and they're all walking into this guy's building, implying that this is happening. All the time, every day, these are the difficult waters that women have to navigate. And I actually, I, I guess by the time I've thought about this for several weeks, I kind of get a little bit more of an idea of what exactly they're going for. It's just, they always muddy the water a little bit. Like, like Hannah forcing Ray to have a blowjob. Like that's, you know, against his will and mm-hmm. that's super uncomfortable. And the fact that like, you know, him flopping the dick out and then Hannah grabbing it and, like is being genuinely genuinely conflicted, and I I don't know. And I I, I was hoping that w- when the episode is over, I'd turn to you and you'd be like, "Oh, well, I'm a woman, and here's how you should interpret this episode because this is how it." F-. And you were just like, "I don't I don't get it either." Hmm. So <laughs> sorry to disappoint. <laughs> it happens to me every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just here for your male gaze. That's yeah. I I want you to, to listen I to. want you to female ex- fee, female explain the situation to me. <laughs> to move on to the next episode. I'm, I'm asking for it. All right, painful evacuation. So this I I loved the character of Ray, and I thought this episode was great because it shows a situation we're probably all familiar with. There's this older character that's in line you can tell he's a regular and that ray probably enjoys shooting the shit with on occasion but right. now this guy is go parading on and on and on and there's a bunch of people behind that he's backing up the line and ray feels all this pressure and he finally is kind of somewhat rude and dismissive to him yeah. and then the guy walks outside and keels over dead yeah so ray's already kind of sort of fucked up and then his mentor hermy the guy who's, you know, got him into the management position, uh, which I thought he was dying in a previous season. He was. He had season. some sort of illness, but yeah. He drops dead. Uh, he, he discovers him dead and that sets off like, you know, Ray's at a crossroads of this relationship with Marnie because he's realizing that, you know, she's doing something weird with him, using right. him somehow. Well, I think Hermie had an idea of what Ray's life path was going to be. And, you know, the more time that went on, the more it became clear that he was going to be the next Hermie. Mm-hmm. The crotchety old man who ran a coffee shop and said whatever he wanted to customers. And that's funny because Ray, Ray kind of idolized that. Like, uh, Hermie, like, what's wrong with being Hermie? And I think. Right, but he's got this, like, complex where he thinks he's better and can do better and do more, but he's not doing any of those things. And I I think he could, and it, I think it's interesting because Shoshana, who I think they're really good together, accurately said, like, well, maybe Hermie 
wants you to do better than him. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe he sees a, a kid a lot like himself and doesn't want you to make the same mistakes he did. So know? I think, yeah, all of those things came to fruition when Marnie was helping him go through Hermie's stuff and she was not supportive at all. Mm-hmm. And he he wanted better for himself for once. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm having a hard time calibrating how I feel about Marnie because when she's with anyone but Desi, I feel like she's just insufferable and completely wrapped up in her own oh, self right. and it selfish. Ta- <laughs> it takes more insufferable, selfish person. It, it takes someone even more. But I, and and you know, Desi's got addiction and like all these other things he's struggling with. And I, you know, I'm sure Marnie's got her problems too. Clearly, her mom's kind of a piece of work, and her dad's absent. Um, and she's had a lot of a lot of pressures put on her but she just seems very hard to identify with and in this most recent episode she talks about ray like having the temerity to break up with him she goes he was supposed to be happy that i was speaking to him right yeah she's uh, very inflated sense of self-worth and you know she i do think she's very hard to identify with you know mm-hmm. she's the white girl with the perfect hair and mm-hmm. she's beautiful and she's got all these things and She's got all these connections, these art, this art connection that she gave up on, and you know this. But she feels in, she's also talent and massively entitled, which uh, that which is seems like it's that, something her mom passed on to her. And honestly, it's something you can say about every single of these characters. Like in this episode, Absolutely. like Adam feels entitled to ta- Hannah's attention, and you know Jessa feels entitled to uh, Hannah's uh, friendship. To Adam and, remembering the way things went down with her. Right. Marnie and, feels entitled to a singing career and a boyfriend that ju- that, that's not that puts no pressure to drugs. on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are you addicted to drugs? Just stop it and come play these gigs. Right. Right. Yeah. Anything else on this episode? Uh, yeah. Patrick Wilson oh, making yes. a guest bomb appearance coming in, uh, which I thought was the way they played that was perfect. It was because, um, like, like the way they're going through their emotions of like, okay, how did we leave things and how should this be played? And are they going to be upset with me or vice versa? Like all those things that I was fe- feeling in the like 15, 20 seconds of them negotiating this first contact. I felt like the actors were playing that. Right. Yeah. Cause that happened in like, that was back in season two. And it's like, I, oh, yeah. it was I, I, I know weird. it broke bad, but I wasn't sure if it's because Hannah got scared or Hannah got clingy or uh you know Patrick Wilson woke up to the reality of having someone like Hannah in his house for like two three days all or... those things happen it was very weird the way it went down and yeah but he I think he was very professional about it until well I don't know him suggesting places for her to have an abortion seems about right for, I mean that's her character that's what's interesting his knowledge of her that's what's interesting is that uh, and I guess it's going to be the pivot toward the other conversation is everything I know about Hannah added up to, of course, she would have an abortion, which I think that's what the majority of the people who are friends with her and loved her would think. Right. She's still a child herself mentally, and she's mm-hmm. still figuring out her career. And you know what really bothers me is on a meta sense mm-hmm. is that we've seen this story a hundred times. I've seen the story of the woman who got pregnant when she shouldn't right. and her struggle to... Or you specific- know, keep the baby and then, yeah. you know, she's going to figure out her life around it. But it doesn't matter because it's my baby now. I've seen that a hundred times. And also specifically the radical pro-choice woman who, when it comes down to her own situation. Right. And I was hoping that I would get that out of, you know, Lena Dunham telling the story of a woman who does choose to have an abortion. I mean, can you think of a positive portrayal of abortion in any of fiction? No. Because I can think of like eight different things where like, you know, people decide to keep the baby or... They have an abortion is portrayed as a, a terrible thing. Or the story or, of the woman tragically losing the baby. Right. Is that what they're going to do? Because, right. I mean, you're getting farther and farther from being the voice of our generation, Lena. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like I – this is not a new or unique story to tell, to tell the girl who um, would get pregnant. And then that's the thing. Like I also don't want to become like, oh, well, you'll, you fight for a woman's choice, but she chooses to keep the baby, then – you know, suddenly it's not cool anymore. It's like, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not fucking pro abortion. No, that's what we just said. I'm just super shocked that, that this has all been done. This is not new or unique or this any kind of. This creative talent is telling all these other, you know, interesting, weird stories. This is Juno, and, essentially. Right. <laughs> and she's 
She just wants to have her turn at being Diablo Cody. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so she's leaning towards keeping the baby, which is what the whole next episode's about. Next well, two. So what did you think of Elijah just letting her have it with both barrels? Like, you think that you're going to drop this baby on me and I'm going to be your cool gay dad and this is going to change your relationship or this is going to change your friend. It is, like, it is a lot to ask someone who is admittedly very selfish. Yeah. And self-centered. Yeah. And I, I, I was actually surprised to see how quickly they walked that back. I mean, yeah. I, I'm glad they did because I think Elijah and Hannah, uh, are great. Oh, it's not like over. It's, it's not going to be roses and peachy keen from here on out. Right. But I thought that was like a really real moment and also something that like, it's so weird because Hannah felt entitled to like, because I'm making this decision, everyone around me should think it's a good idea and get in line and be supportive. Right. And like, well, I mean, I, I'm glad that you kind of discovered that when you went off with the weekend with Marnie and she, he, her boyfriend turned into a, like a serial killer maniac. But that's certainly not how you've rolled the entire showing of girls. Right. Well, what would you do if Jessa got pregnant? All right. You know, or call child protective services. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, she. Yeah, she has no insight in anyone but herself. I've said that a hundred times, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's very entitled. Wow, this is getting redundant, just like girls is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, because, like, uh, I do think there's also, because it's so funny, because I was, I was looking, I was scouring the internet for someone to have the same opinion. And I, I feel like this is a theme that, like, every time I have a take on girls, like, no one but me and maybe you have this the same take. But I was looking for someone to say some of these same things. But what I get is a lot of like, oh, uh, yo, this is fine because, you know, no one's ready to be a parent and, you know, parenting is being, is, is humbling and you're, it's going to change you so much. And it's just, why not? And I, I guess I get the truth of all that because. Yeah. Of, but if I want to be reminded, then I'll go watch Riding in Cars with Boys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or Juno or. Or, uh, what's the one in Natalie Moore, uh, Natalie Mormon, Natalie Portman camps in Walmart. Oh, yeah. Where the heart is. Uh, where the heart is. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, I get it. I get it. It's uh-huh. hard to have a baby, even if you are prepared. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I get it. That's just. I was hoping for something else. So and, what you okay, th- the other thing I want to talk about because there's something. This is this is another touchy subject and something that that girls has portrayed in the past. Because you remember Adam had the ex girlfriend who might have been played by Jillian Jacobs. Jillian Jacobs. Jillian yeah. Jacobs. Sorry, it's Mimi, Mimi Rose. Yeah. Um. Where she got pregnant by him and had an abortion, didn't even tell him. And yeah. he was outraged. And, like, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to talk about whether you should or shouldn't be. But I think anger and betrayal on the part of the man who found finds out that he was not part of the decision. And, you know, we can have a big fight or discussion about to what extent a man should be part of the decision. But I did think that was exceptionally cold-hearted to just do that like it like obviously adam can't make her carry the baby to full term but to not discuss it with him and then and the fact that hannah is and she keeps on saying everything i know about this man would say that he's not want to be interested in father well hannah everything i knew about you up until two episodes would say that you had no business and wouldn't want to be a mother right so like what the fuck and i like that the show itself is pushing back from different perspectives like hannah's gay dad they're saying, I was going to be a sperm donor to these lesbians, and everything was cool, and then I found out that they didn't want me to be part of the kid's life, and I was offended. And I feel like, yeah, that's, you know, like, I'm, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to navigate those waters. Like, what, what is the ideal thing? I feel like that a man's position when a woman says, I'm pregnant and it's your child, is to be like, okay, whatever you want to do, I'm 100% on board and supportive and do whatever. I think that it's not necessarily black and white for anybody. I think it's just, you know, you have to go by a case-by-case basis. What's best for you? What's best for your partner? Mm-hmm. And what's best for the child? What do you think and about just even not... Even if it's not what's best, it's what you want because it's your life. And I get it, like, life. if uh, Han- the the, ba- the father's baby was abusive or, like, I think like, back to, like, the, the or... Mimi Rose point. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that if Adam is still your partner, you would at least want them there for support. Uh-huh. If you decided not to have the baby. Mm-hmm. You'd think you'd want that, but it wasn't what she wanted. Um, and I don't know how I feel about Hannah contacting the father, but I don't think it's fair to not give them a choice. Right. 
if you're especially if you're having the baby like you would feel if someone didn't give you a choice yeah if if you're if you're having a baby and the kid and the father's not psychotic or a drug drug user or you know like like a serious like a like a danger a danger to your family then it seems like the question would be uh you know to see to what what involvement they want to have because the the to say that like it's your choice that the ch- the child's father has no involvement at all i don't know it seems cold to me and also it doesn't seem fair to this guy cuz like i don't she might be right i don't i don't see him wanting to settle down with her anytime soon but i think i mean I think the is character- he going to have anything to contribute and the fact that Hannah had never even thought what happens when this person gets to be seven or eight years old and wants to know about her dad? And yeah. you say, your dad's not in the picture. I met him once and I chose to not think about your life. And it's very much a world, the world according to Garp. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen that? I have. Where his, his mom made the decision to have sex with a soldier who was dying because uh-huh. she just wanted to be a single mom. That's what she right. wanted. Right. I think the, the character of Hannah would get off on having a little brown baby that doesn't have a father. And- right. <laughs> and also, it's a, it's also kind of weird how there's, she's like, I hope he's a girl. I hope this child's a girl or, like, super gay because, like, whoo, boy. Well. All right. Well, you're <laughs> you're already you're, fucking up their You're lives. really flipping the coin there about uh, and, and, and putting putting a lot of pressure on this, on this kid. I mean, I get it because I was, like, secretly hoping for a boy because I was terrified. I, I didn't know uh, – Back in a time, like, I had, didn't, I had no idea what I would do raising a daughter. It's funny because after 10 years of thinking about it more and thinking about women's issues, I feel like I would be a good dad to a, a, a little girl. But at the time, we'll I'm like, please, know. yeah, we'll nev- <laughs> we are never going to know. Um, I, I, but, but at the time, I remember thinking, please, God, can I have a boy? Because at least I know. I think I like as grossly unprepared as I am to be a father. I at least have a little bit of heads up and preparation on that. Mm-hmm. So I get it, but and I know there's also part of this is a joke. How and, prepared do you feel right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Having kids, it's just hard. It is. It's no hard. What sex, they are. It is hard. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't. I never wanted to have kids. I never felt like that urge. Um, so I felt like I needed to be super prepared yeah, and I need to be vigilant because I didn't want to be a cold dad or be an inattentive father, all that. So like, I was like always making sure that that, you know, wasn't, wasn't the case for me, but I don't know. Like I, I just, I just, I was kind of amazed when I go on the internet and everyone seems to be kind of roughly in favor and the people that are not are being dismissed and treated as if they're like some kind of monsters. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, do we want to talk about anything more about any aspect of Hannah having a baby? No. Uh, let's, (laughs) let's talk about Jessa and Hannah. Like, I feel Hannah is totally justified. Jessa is demonstrating why she's the most awful person on the show. Yeah. Although she is compelling. And that's that. Like, this whole, we had, you, you can't pretend I didn't exist. I don't think Hannah's trying to do that. Hannah just wants you, your destructive ass out of her life. Yeah. And exactly. I've had a friend or two where I've had that situation. I was like, you know, we're just not going to be friends anymore because. And, and you know what? For Jessa to sort of push that on her is insane yes. because of everything they've been through. She just got done making a movie with Adam about Hannah and Adam's life. And when together. it got a little too real, yeah, now you're getting pissed off because this is a little too pro Hannah. Right. You just, uh, how does the old saying go? You can't have your cake and eat it too. And it's right. just, you can't steal your best friend's boyfriend and then make a movie about their past well, relationship. That, but like, and remember, then now I'm going to be a part of the Remember life. last season when she was out with getting like a rice pudding with Hannah? Oh, yeah. And Jessa just had this brutal dress down because she was hoping Hannah would break up with her so that she would feel less guilty about stealing Adam. Like, how can you do that? And then like in the previous episode where you're telling Adam, like, why aren't you making Hannah more of a needy, selfish bitch? And then to come and say with a straight face, you want to be friends again? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. I think that, I think maybe she's on the precipice of understanding what a terrible person she is. Yeah. Because of the way Shoshana dismissed her and the way that Hannah's now dismissed her. And, uh, I miss Shoshana. 
Where's she been last few episodes? Uh, I I don't know. I want to get. I want to say one more thing about this because I really like the scene where Jessa winds up and gives one of her classic Jessa monologues, and you think it's going to cut to Hannah, and she's feeling kind of hangdog, and she's like, "Okay, oh, I guess yeah. I love," and then Hannah like has that reaction, and is like, "You know what? I just don't care anymore." Yeah, and I'm like, ah, because that's what it feels like yeah. when you break away from this, you know, narcissistic person. It's so hard to do, yeah. good for you, Hannah. Uh, you know, my theory is they're not showing a lot of Shoshana because this season is about dealing with all these fucked up people, and Shoshana was never that fucked up to begin with. No, Shoshana's gonna start her own jeggings brand or yeah. go back to Japan where she's, she fit in so well. She's gonna find she's gonna find her like self, uh, you know, the the niche jegging that's been previously unexploited and she's going to rule the the jegging fashion world yeah she will be fine and great at everything she does i feel like her and ray they're they're kind of setting and this is i mean this is a broad i want to return to this but i'm kind of worried that they're going to get everybody all too matchy matchy like hannah's going to go back to Adam and Shoshana's going to go back to Ray, and that's the way the series is going to end. And I don't Marnie's know. Marnie's like going to go back to Charlie. <laughs> well, she's going to be there. Hopefully not. He's gotten clean. And- I don't know who Jessica goes back to, but I don't. You know, like, I'm kind of with Hannah. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I think that I would like to see Shoshana and Ray have another moment where they address the fact that they're really good together. But you know, the timing just I don't think it ever worked out for them. Right. You know, maybe Ray is going to be successful at owning these coffee shops, but or being a politician. Shoshana's just on a different trajectory. Yeah, trajectory. Project. I like trajectory. She's on a projected trajectory of greatness. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you. That's what you. Trajectory. That's what you meant. You just. You just effortless. Your command of the English language (laughs) is such that you just coined the perfect word at all times. Uh, so let's go back. I guess this is the. Uh, before I, before I get to the next deep, deep topic, this last, um, uh, the last episode with Marnie and her mom trying to cover for Desi not being in the band. And I, the, you know, Rita Wilson, I think, is awesome. And she's got this, like, you know, banger sisters type deal with this, this groupie for the, for the Fugees? Shawanda Bonda. I don't know. I guess this girl's a club promoter. Yeah, so, and, and she's, she's booked this concert with Marnie and Desi, and she's like, oh, oh, I know all the chords, and I know, and I thought it was going to be a train wreck, but when they got up, I thought they were harmonizing pretty good, and Rita Wilson was better on guitar than I thought. And I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. And I guess I'm the only person in the universe to have this reaction because the internet. Right. And then the, when they swoop back to the audience, the audience is like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. Yeah. And I'm like, I've seen Marnie be embarrassing when she tried to right. do the Kanye West. Stronger. Stronger Which in the I middle like of <laughs> in the middle of Charlie's birthday. Oh, you did not. Did I loved you really? it. I loved it. It made my skin uh, crawl. And I was like, yes. <laughs> not in a good way. No, but I think. I, I think the implication there was maybe we're looking at Rita Wilson singing and we think it's great, but uh-huh. you know, if she wasn't anyone that you ever knew and you're at this club and they cut off the music right in the middle of this dance track and then they started with that. Yeah. Uh, and, like, oh. and, and, and maybe, maybe, uh, w- definitely when she started scatting, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, this rails. is, this gone full, full on awful. I, I was, I kind of thought that maybe a mother daughter duo would have worked out, you know, if yeah. Rita Wilson had just played guitar and Marnie had done, done all the singing, then they could have yeah. made it through. All right. Right. But man, that derailed so fast. It did. It did. And almost like did, was it the curse of Desi? Like Desi comes in from the back and smirks at Marnie and that destroyed Marnie and then it just was a death spiral from there. Sure. I just don't know how much blame I want to lay at Desi's feet anymore now that he's come clean about being an addict and he's gotten help and he's still letting someone he knows manipulates him, manipulate him into doing something he's not ready for. Uh huh. He should have never been there and Marnie should have known that. Yeah, but it's so weird because, like, that's the other thing. The way they're depicting Desi, it's like I feel like even when he was with his, uh, even when he's with his uh, therapist, like a week or two ago, I just felt like he's just so insufferable, and he's using like all this psychobabble uh, to still justify his own bullshit. But then the fact is that like the, everything he's saying is also accurate about a person like Marnie. Right? They're having a bullshit off and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're having like a like 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 an I'm entitled to this, entitled to that. Off, and I don't. I guess I don't care. Like it's weird to feel weird for Desi because I don't feel like the show wants me to feel bad for Desi. The show wants me to him to show up super high, 
at a uh, professional and, and social obligation to a person who you still say you care for on some level. Um, and I, like, I feel like the show is making that a butt of the joke, which is if, if, if it's, you know, if he's an uh, addict in recovery, then why are we laughing at him? <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't get that impression. Really? I do feel bad for Desi. When he, when he walks up on the... Mo- like, I guess I felt... The first time I felt bad for him is when he got out of the club and he, like, pushes over his motorcycle and, like, is just clearly, like, fuck everything about life right now. Uh, but other than that, I thought that he was kind of being played as a still a comedic figure. Anyway, um, what else? Adam and Hannah? Eh. You don't want to talk about that? What did you that? think about the movie? I thought the movie... I would love to see that movie. Yeah, the whole thing. And also, like, I kept on thinking if I found out an ex of mine had that that had some serious talent, like not just some like you know uh, rando, but a person that I think Adam Driver is super interesting in real life, and they've always portrayed him as this complicated, very talented actor on the show as well. Yeah. So if I dated a person like Adam, and three years later they're like, I actually made a movie of our relationship. I want you, they wouldn't even get that far in a conversation before I'm like, oh my God, let me see it right now. <laughs> because if it's accurate and honest, I think that would be like, like if, 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 if they were able to fully capture all the emotion in any given relationship, yeah. I think that would be kind of incredible. And even if they told 100% the truth from their perspective and I only found 5% of it actually accurate or compelling, I think that would be interesting and illuminating. Right. Because like, oh, I see how this person saw me and how that contributes. Like, I I don't know. I, I subscribe to this theory that like no information is bad information. Like information is always good in and of itself. Right. So what would you do if an ex came up and said, I just made a, re- a movie about a relationship. I want you to watch it. Depends which one it is. <laughs> so. Because so... I have my memories of the way things went down. <laughs> All right, fair point. And if it was someone, I mean, I guess if I were in Hannah and Adam's position, then that would be a compelling thing to watch because they were in love, and they yes. probably still are. But it's just, you know, it's Adam super it's fucked gonna... up. Hannah was super fucked up. Exactly. So it if was... it were someone you were in love with before, that'd be different uh-huh. from like someone you slept with for a few weeks, right? And it's like I don't really care yeah, yeah, what your yeah. perspective is on what happened. And like Daisy, uh, I do think it's interesting. This Daisy Agen, I think, is her name, mm-hmm. who portrays the actress who portrays hannah right is super interesting choice because she's like a she's she's like what hollywood would cast if they were casting someone to play lena dunham she's slightly idealized Mm -hmm. um but still has all the essential like mannerisms and quirks and like even has the cadence of the their speech down right uh and like I'm in the man, damn. When well, they had that sex scene the last episode where he just wailed on her ass and then fucked the shit out of her, and like then he instantly like broke and like, hey, that was a good. Is, is everything okay with you? I was like blown away. Like yeah. that's like I that's why I can never be an actor, man. Yeah. Like yeah. I would need like a full day to prep to work up to that, and then I would need like a lot of alone time afterwards to to, to process what just happened. What did what do you think of their movie within a movie? I liked it. I liked the um, the beds getting cold. Yeah, and he's looking <laughs> right at Hannah. Right. I mean, because we as, you know, I don't want to say we're an unbiased observer, but we have seen all that we have seen of Hannah and Adam. And mm-hmm. I never got that he was like this in love or hung up on her. Oh, until, really? Until it was over. Huh. Until it was like them holding hands over the baby incubator. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. I always thought it was more sexually driven. Yeah, and sure. Very passionate, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And their first meeting mm-hmm. was really interesting. Yeah, like that would be. It seems like it's a flip of the coin whether that would be the most frightening first encounter you've had with someone or the most erotic. Right. Because he's like this big – I mean, I don't – like Adam Driver is super magnetic yeah, uh, and I think super sexy, but I don't know why. I don't know why because he's this giant misshapen lump of a man who's, <laughs> and he's very intense. Maybe that's what it is. It's yeah. the intensity that's attractive. He's awkward. He's still rocking that 
emo hair that's been out of style for like 15 years. Yeah, he's still he's doing the the Kylo Ren. Like he's got the you could tell that he's probably mid filming episode eight. Yeah, <laughs> because he's got total the Sith Lord haircut going. Um, I, I think don't, I saw him try to force choke Hannah. And <laughs> I don't know. That was his move. He liked to do the, <laughs> the, the pretend like he was a Sith fucking her. Uh, Sith fucking um, hashtag. What I, I think that I feel like they're doing a lot to foreshadow this Adam and Hannah thing because in the previous season we got to see what a good per, perhaps surrogate father he would be because you know uh, his sister had the baby was a peanut. Yeah. And then, of course, she took off because she's fucking fundamentally incapable of, of of dealing with anything. And then Laird, of course, was going to take off because he probably wanted to go get high. Um, and then him and Jessa were forced to take care of the baby. I don't even know what happened to that baby. She, It's gone now, and I don't remember if they addressed that on the show. But, like, one of the things I thought was interesting is how they showed, like, Jessa and him both were game for the situation. But Jessa quickly lost interest where Adam still was like, you know, this is... This is a child we have to deal with. Right. You're a fucking adult. Right. Like, it's like, not a puppy that you can put outside for a while. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And now Hannah's pregnant and uh, feels like Adam has strong feelings about that. And, you know, like I don't – I don't think – I don't I don't want them to get together because no. I also think they're very destructive. Like Adam's got a lot of issues. Yeah. And like the way he harangued her outside her building and demanding her to see this movie is completely inappropriate and, right. and unhinged. Yeah. And not appropriate behavior at any time. But, you know, I think it's also that intensity that Hannah found attractive. Well, and, you know, like, a clearly, clearly there is a connection being made when, uh, at at the very end when she's, when, you know, he's looking at the camera saying the bed's getting cold and she's lay, sitting in bed trying to get the, the courage to, to call her baby daddy and tell yeah. her, uh, and tell him the truth. Um, I don't know. So what's, uh, anything else we want to talk about? That's all um, I girls. got for right now. All right. Uh, moving on to Love. We just saw season two of Love. It's the Netflix exclusive Jed Apatow. Uh, again, uh, Jillian. Gillian. Gill- God damn it. I can't. This is Jill- Jillian? Gillian. Gillian. This is Jillian Anderson. Yes. Okay. X-Files. And they're spelled exactly the same. Yes. But one has a soft G and one has a hard G. Yeah, they do. Um, Gillian, Jacobs, Paul Rust, and, and, uh, they are she is uh uh was the 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 daughter of a narcissist dad and she has substance abuse problems and he is the uh textbook example of the dark side of the quote unquote nice guy persona yeah where he's always thinking that because he does all these nice guy, great guy, super cool boyfriend things that it's going to buy like that that's something that people are going to appreciate and also give him slack when when he wants to call those chips in. Right. And uh I think it's super interesting and super uncomfortable to watch, but I have a lot of I have fun's not the right word. It feels like therapy sometimes. I have a lot of feels. <laughs> like, not fun, it's feels. I think, what is your, what's the most, what was the most interesting episode to you? Um, I don't know. Probably one of the earlier ones, but I just found myself watching the show through, like, my fingers mm-hmm. for most of the time. It's just so difficult because I guess I understand and relate so well it's the opposite of the girl's problem uh-huh. like i can see a lot of characteristics of you know like myself or people i know uh-huh. in um mickey and gus right yeah i feel like and i don't know if you'll agree with this but i feel like uh mickey and gus when they're at their very best remind me a lot of you and i's dynamic <laughs> That's so funny. I just carefully tried to walk around making that comparison. Okay, because like we haven't actually talked about it, but I also feel like that Gus, when he is like kind of like middle of the road, like not at his best, not at his worst, like that's kind of me at my worst because I have those a lot of the same kind of tendencies. Um, and I also found it incredibly tough to watch when her father came to town because her father is this raging narcissist. And it was so much like dealing with my mother mm-hmm. that I ha- I was triggered, not in like the fun, ha ha, it's funny, their joke about Reddit kind of way, but in like I was a soldier that 
you know, had been through battle and then a car backfired and suddenly I was back in the shit. Yeah. Uh, like I, I mean, I was like, I, I was, I was sweating. I was, my, my eyes, my pupils were dilated. I was breathing heavily. Like it was, it took a lot out of me to watch that episode. Yeah. I felt that way about a lot of episodes. Like, if you want to know what it's like to have that kind of parent, the kind of mom that I have, then watch that episode and pretend like that's that's the way my mom would treat everything. Because it is. She's not substitute uh, intoxication with God with intoxication with alcohol, and, and, <laughs> and there there you go. Right. Uh, um, what was your so? I mean, do we, we want to talk about any of the serious serious themes here? Do we want to talk sure. about just the um, hit all the high points? Okay. It seems, I mean, here's the core problem. What's it, Mickey had come to a realization about herself that she was addicted to many things, mm-hmm. uh, alcohol and relationships and drugs. And she tells Gus as a way of like, you know, I really like you and, but, but here's the thing. I'm, I've got these problems and I need to go and sort myself out and be alone for a while. Um, right. And these first two seasons took place within a few weeks of each other. Yes. Yeah. They make that explicit in, yeah. er, early on. But, but, and then his reaction is he just kisses her. Right. She's asking for time apart and alone to figure herself out. And you can't and respect what's, that. And that's what is, how we start. What's so interesting because, and, and, and I feel like this is a profoundly selfish act because there's a later episode where she's trying to be sober and they all decide to do mushrooms, mm-hmm. which I think is a f- hilarious episode. There's a lot of great, yeah. great lines about them. And it's always fun to see people get high and get smashed on, on in, in comedies like this. But there's a point where they're all kind of peaking. And she's like, you know what? I never really had a problem with mushrooms. Like mushrooms is not the things I was addicted to. And, and I even kind of liked the trippy experience. And this seems like a lot of fun. So I'm going to do the rest of these mushrooms. And he snatches it from her and ingest them before she can take it and like to save her from that. And they portray that as kind of like a quasi noble thing. But to me that through their previous interaction where she confessed to being a love addict and he kisses her. Right. Like if he was carrying that, if he was being consistent, he'd be like him showing up and with an eight ball of Coke and be like, here, do this Coke. Or if it's what been, you want to do. If he had been consistent, he would have never agreed to take drugs in front of her at all. And he, he would, would have, have said, respected you know her boundaries, but it's like, it's this is not about helping Mickey. It's about whatever what what what's what Gus wants. Right, exactly. And but he, then again, like I I kind of feel like I'm mostly on the side of Mickey, um, because uh, but then there's an instance where you know, um, he she shows up at his hat this this house this big fancy rich people house he's watching and he's going to throw this you know witch right witches of Wichita what party. Wichita watching party because he he happened to write an episode and. Um, there's this point where Andy Dick comes over for sobriety help, which is completely understandable. But the problem is, I guess, is like the whole, like there, there's this whole instance where she didn't respect any of the rules that were put in place or any of the thing, the obligations that Gus had about this house. And like it, they played it to where like he was a giant dick about Andy Dick showing up, which I think is part of it. But I think it's, that's more of just a, a reaction to him b- bottling up his feelings about the other stuff right. the whole time. Right, and you time. had a reason to uncap that bottle now. Right. Andy Dick. Right. Like, oh, you've given me an excuse uh, because of your behavior that now I can be a giant fucking overreacting dick about this and you should feel grateful and not hit back at me because it's my turn just to vent at you. Right, and here's the thing is that he knows Mickey. He knows mm-hmm. her flaws he knows her strengths and he knows that if you bring her into this rich people's house she's gonna touch things Mm -hmm. she's gonna play with the dogs and let him shit on the floor and smoke in the patio Mm -hmm. you know i but is that that something you really know that like if you think you know that you take a person in a house and they're not gonna respect their property here's the thing you are gonna go to this person's house and you know they have rules and you know it needs to be Uh in pristine condition Uh so you bring a tasmanian devil over well, I he, guess he has to just assume the worst or just relax and let it happen. It's it's interesting because I always watch these episodes. I'm scoring them like a prize fight. Like, OK, well, Gus had a couple points there. Well, no, nah, he's um, he's actually being a total dick and Mickey's in justification. And it's so because f- this episode in particular, I kept on swinging back and forth. And then Mickey grabs this crystal vase and just shatters it. Yeah. And I'm like, come. I mean, 
like I get it. You've got a lot of shit you're working through, but why would you feel like the appropriate way to punish Gus was to break some other third parties whose only crime was to trust Gus with his taste and girlfriends to bring you over to their house? Like now it's like, what the, what the, and then they make up at the end and, and she goes on and has this, you know, love addiction with her ex-boyfriend who's played hilariously by Harry Crane. No, that's a character he plays in another show. No, it's Harry Crane. <laughs> and the fact that you find him, let's talk about the fact that you find Harry Crane attractive okay, in this in I this in the series. Crane attractive in this. Series. I I feel I Until that makes me went. feel that makes me feel bad about myself, honestly. Why? Because uh you know, a, a woman who would uh, have a tryst with Harry Crane like like what? Like He's like not what? not Harry Crane. Or He's Pete just... Campbell? You going to you going to you're going to have a three-way with all the worst of the ad douches and Sterling Cooper Draper Price? I I don't know. A lesser person me, than me would say that they find some similarities between you and the actor who plays. What? <laughs> what? I'm looking at a funhouse mirror now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, this this We're chubby guy. tall dudes with strong chins. I get it. <laughs> right. He's he's minus one position without the beard, but right. Um, yeah, I I completely forgot about him being in the first season and calling her right, a whore. So right. that wasn't able to influence my decision. But I, then, and then you when know, he, it, he's it, a psycho and stalks her to the park and plays this you know this gambit on uh, uh what's her name the Australian. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I forget what her name is in the show. Claudia is her real name. And yeah, and he he. Uses her phone to find Mickey and then chases her through this farmer's market. Like, mm-hmm. come on. But see, there's there's I where I had... don't know how to score that because both of those behaviors are so far outside of what I would consider normal human behavior. Sure, I like think... like Mickey just stonewalling him all of a sudden. And... Yeah, I mean, but I... I wouldn't chase her down. No, I mean, hell it's no. Obviously, doesn't want to be with you. Right, right. I think he had every right to show up at Gus's apartment and confront right. him and say. <laughs> I did like how they filmed it like it's a spy flick and she's like Tom Cruise trying right. to get away from the double agent and she's like throwing fruit carts in his way. And <laughs> like there was a lot of physical comedy there, but the whole time I was like, this is just absurd. It is. It was. Like he's being, you know, obviously he's, he's taken the, the asshole card and like, I mean, what did he want out of that situation? And there's this really strong controlling vibe. And what I guess I got out of that is that he seems like he's a better looking, more charming version of Gus. Right, like, like, am I supposed to come away with the fact that she's got this type that she falls in with? Yes, she does. And that's what makes it painful for me. Or the reason why maybe initially I found him attractive for her is I don't like her and Gus together. I don't. Yeah. I don't like her to be together with a controlling person. I'm not saying she should be together with someone who would only feed into her right. addictions. Right. But there's got to be some happy Like, Like, if her and Gus were healthy to where they could be their best selves 90% of the time, then because they're, when they're, when they're working together and clicking, it's really cute and they have a lot of chemistry. Eh. Although, I got to say, everyone says how much chemistry these two have. I don't see it. I don't see it either. I don't understand why. You just said it yourself. (laughs) Right. Although. Even when they're at their best, I don't like watching them together because I just, I know Mm. it's going to go wrong. And it just seems disingenuous and. It is hard to engage with that when you know that the way the show is structured, that there's just, there we're about a scene or two away from some like soul searing humiliation that's about to happen. Right. But I do think I, everyone's want to see flashes of why she likes him because like he does seem like. Can you give me an example? Like, like the time when, uh, Australian woman Claudia's <laughs> boyfriend was stalking to his spirit guide, the coyote, and he, He's high on mushrooms, and he's this giant guy. Oh, no, no, no. I'm asking you for a scene where Mickey and Gus have cute chemistry. I don't know. Like, there's this one scene where they're kind of, like, you know, laying in bed with their legs on each other, and just, they're just doing pitter-patter, like, talk, like, you know, just kind of, like, pithy discuss- the talk, and I thought that they're they're cute there. When they were in the mansion? I, th- I, thought, I didn't think it was in the mansion. I thought it was, like, the day, the morning after. Yeah, like, the morning when he was coming down off the shrooms, they were watching some particular show okay. or movie they'd started and they were just kind of like comfortable together. And I felt like that was that the they were cute talking. or when they, <laughs> whenever they're first on a, like a, you know, starting like they've, they've made up and they're like, you know, doing these cutesy dialogue. I mean, I think some of that stuff is like, I can see where that's an attractive relationship, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Gus is a fucking train wreck. She's a train wreck. And it seems like, they may- can't the train cannot ride itself by crashing into each other. No, they do like maybe the maybe the time will be right later down the li- line, but right now they just are not in the and it's so weird cuz it's like just cla- like 
Gus, he gives up this opportunity to go with this filmmaker and work on this film project. This is something that he clearly wants to be more behind the scenes in film and television, right? Right. And he does this where, you know, he gives up this career opportunity because he thinks it's what Mickey would want him to do. And then he gets pissed at her for not doing the same thing for him. And he's like, well, I didn't. She correctly points out, well, I, you know, never asked you to do any of that stuff. That's insane. And he gets. Right. That's an incredible opportunity. And then for him, it comes across as like she's just being stubborn that she won't admit the truth of what he's saying. It's just like, oh, my God, you, you, this is so fucking like I was just cringing as I watched this whole slow motion wreck happening. I wish I could. Like, like it, and that's damning the fact that she was so much healthier when he was gone. Yeah. And he was a fucking codependent wreck. Exactly. Um, and just, it just shows me so clearly, like, this would have been a completely different show if Mickey had gone her separate ways and, and, and worked a program and done the steps and got serious about this stuff. And he, you know, cause I think going to Al-Anon was really good for him and is really showing him how, like, how covertly selfish and controlling he was being and how much of her recovery was all about him. And, and I thought that was all good. Like, like, that's the kind of personal development he needs to go through. Right. And also, I think it was also illuminating when Mickey, when he said, Oh yeah, I went to a couple now, now and on or whatever it's called. And she's like, Oh, I'm so proud of you. And then realize that like, sometimes that's just a human reaction. Right. Like it's not people trying to put pressure on you. Some of that's baggage that you're bringing to the situation. But yeah. I don't know. Like I, I guess I feel like the show is funny sometimes, but it's also like therapeutic because it gives me a lot to chew on and gives me a lot of like, you know, painful reminders of like when Gus is really at his worst self. It's like, Oh man, that's because I feel like with both him and Mickey, I don't know, maybe you, maybe you identify this, maybe you're not, but like whenever I'm in an emotionally charged situation, a lot of things in my mind, like my mind is providing me with really vicious things to say that are not necessarily true, but I'm feeling them in the moment. Right. And I just have enough control that I understand that this is coming from a very mean, negative place. And I'm going to try to swallow this as much as possible because next day this, this is all going to be fine where they just like, like when the floor dropped out with them and they're at that rich person's house and fight, like it was like really, really distressing just how terrible they were being to each other. Yeah. Reminded me of Jessa having the breakup fight with her husband that one season in girls. Yeah. And she broke his trophy. It's like, so this is what it looks like when people don't have any kind of humanity to govern their emotional responses. They right. just just are pure id lashing out. Yeah, I don't necessarily relate to any of that, but it's yeah, it's so hard to watch. When we're fighting, it's all like rainbows and kittens in, in your head still. Yeah, Aww. yeah, which is why I'm getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> well, we made it. Uh, whoever had the whoever had three months and three ten and, a half, three and, and a half. eleven days, whoever had three months and eleven days in the pool, cash in now. <laughs> Uh, what else we want to talk about? I think that's it. Okay. So we've got a couple episodes of Girls. Uh, when the season wraps up and the series wraps up, we'll be back with our thoughts about however people ended up and our ongoing uh, examination of what the hell Lena Dunham is up to. And whatever other thing comes on TV that we'll watch in the meantime. Yeah, we're looking. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out for what our next project's going to be. Hmm. American Horror Story is a long ways away. Yes. Oh, uh, we means. should be do. We should be in the middle of Penny Dreadful right now. But we they fucked be. us over on that. So I don't know. There's that new feud series. Oh, Ryan Murphy's Betty and Jones. We yeah. Okay, let's let's catch up with that and and maybe come back with a two parter girls and feud podcast because there are some people said that they would be interested in hearing our takes on the forum. All right. There we'll do the. We'll do feud and girls talk uh, about four four weeks from now or two three four weeks in oh. a time. Of passing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks for stopping by and joining me in the studio. Of course. Uh, if you Same have any time. feedback, because I would actually like to hear people's thoughts, especially on this girl stuff and this Hannah stuff. Um, and maybe we can consider for next time TV at baldmove.com if you got a take and uh, can't promise to use it, but I'd be interested in hearing it. Uh, TV at baldmove.com. Uh, we'll see you next time when there is a next time. Till then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Bye.